Lord, we do pray, let your, your power flow and let your voice be heard. And so, Lord, anoint me to preach your word and anoint us to hear what the Spirit says to Gold Avenue Church this morning. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We are in the middle of the book of Haggai. Haggai is a tiny little two-chapter message from the prophet Haggai to the people of Israel, a remnant of the people of Israel who've just returned from captivity in Babylon. And we believe that it's a now word for us at Gold Avenue Church, that God has highlighted it, that he's lifted it up, that he's put it on the hearts of leadership and said, this is what I'm speaking to you right now. I'm speaking from this text to you. And so we listened over the last two weeks as God called this tiny little remnant of people that were weak and didn't have a whole lot of crops and were just trying to get by in Jerusalem. And he said to them, build my house You're living in your own houses. You're working on your own houses. You've laid the foundation for mine. I want you, now is the time, to build my house. And so they started building. In response to the Lord, they obeyed him. They stepped out in faith. And he came back and encouraged them a second time. And this morning, as we pick up at chapter 2, verses 1 to 9, we're about three and a half weeks to a month into building. So they've been at it for almost a month. And this is what we read. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house In its former glory, how does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations And the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. 
The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. The word of the Lord. Two thousand and fourteen, two thousand and fifteen, about five, six years ago, was uh, a, a, a both time, a joyful time, but also a very, very difficult time for Pastor Jean and I. So it was her first full year on staff here at Gold Avenue Church, and we were really feeling called by the Lord to lean into learning about prayer ministry. How is it that the Lord would minister his healing and sometimes his deliverance to people? And part of the reason we were feeling called to lean into that is because over the course of 2014 and 15, we estimate that we met with and ministered to over a hundred people in the course of that year. So members and attendees of Gold Avenue Church, friends and family members from the neighborhood, seminary students that were being referred to us, pastors that were being referred to us, People from all over were just, it seemed like God was just bubbling them up out of the woodwork and we just kept getting call after call after call. And so uh, we had this awareness, we need to grow in learning about Jesus' healing ministry. How is it that he binds up the brokenhearted through us? This is what scripture says. And so we, in faith and with the blessing of our elders, we embarked on a year-long course through Presbyterian Reform Ministries International, North Carolina. And that course required us over that year that was already really busy to make three visits down there, to read ten books, uh, some of which were quite weighty, and to write reports on each, and then to make a, do a course project over that year. Well, in, somehow, in the middle of that year, through a number of conversations, we were uh, contacted by the president of Calvin Seminary. And we were invited and asked, would we propose and draft a course on the person and work of the Holy Spirit as an elective for Calvin Seminary? This was a huge answer to prayer because we, along with many, had been praying that this missing component of our seminary education would find its way into the seminary. And so we thought of it as an invitation from the Lord and we spent many, many, many hours prayerfully preparing this course. And um, then we went and it was reviewed by the faculty and we went and we had a meeting in the faculty room with all the faculty. And they appeared quite open, some even hungry, curious. And then we got the news that the course had been rejected, that they had not um, accepted it as a course. And we were just heartbroken and we got the news shortly before we had to go to North Carolina in September of 2015 to end this course. And so we went down there and uh, all of us got had to share with everyone else in the room what we had done as our course project. And so we said, well, to, to our director, do we share it? Like we didn't, it didn't go through. And she said, you need to share it anyways. So we spent about 20 minutes sharing with the group what we had, what we had planned and what we thought the Lord was doing. We shared the course with them and then we just kind of stopped and, you know, we told them it wasn't accepted and you could just kind of feel the room filled with our grief. And then the group just came around us 
Um, I don't even remember how it happened. I just remember we finished hearing and the group just came around and they started to name our discouragement and name our feelings and they started to pray for us and they started to minister to us. And um, in the context of ministering, one woman put her hand on our backs and she began to pray. And I just remember as she was, she had her hand in the middle of my back and all of a sudden it was like, it wasn't her speaking, but it was the Lord and she said these words literally in prayer. She said, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Almost, like almost in tears. And as she said them, something in my spirit just broke. And I just started weeping because Jesus saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. You're not alone made all of the difference in the world for me in that moment. And for Pastor Gina too. When we, when we go through extended situations of difficulty where we feel weak, where we're confused, where we don't understand why things are the, they are the way they are and we can't make sense of them, having the Lord come alongside us through people in some way and say, I see you and bring his encouragement and say, I'm with you, it just makes all of the difference in the world. And that's exactly what's happening in our text this morning. This little group of people, if you can just imagine, they're small. This isn't the nation, if you know your Bible, this isn't the nation of Israel that was once mighty. This is the leftover of the leftover of the leftover that didn't get killed when they got attacked, that didn't die in Babylon, that managed to make it back from Babylon some 70 years later. This is a tiny group. It's why they're called a remnant. There's only a few of them surrounded by nations all around them. And they have been, they've laid this foundation and then they put it to rest because they were under great duress, great attack. They actually got ordered to stop. Um, we'll read about that later. But here they are just trying to get by, just trying to grow enough crops to live, not being able to do it, barely. And God comes and he says to them, build my house. And so in faith, they step out and they start building. But you can imagine that some of them do so with confusion and with resistance. I imagine that there were some wives that said to their husbands, you were going to what? We can't even barely feed the kids. We can't even put food on the table and you're going to stop tending the crops and you're going to go and you're going to start building a temple that we're not even using? Where is our God? You're going to what? And some fathers-in-laws and mothers-in-laws that live with their kids and maybe are older and are dependent are saying some of the same things. I, I imagine that the men who are tasked with doing this work and the women who are tasked with supporting it did so under great duress and without a whole lot of answers to their questions. And yet they stepped in and they began to do it. And they're a month in and a month is a long time when you think about the other work you've got to put down. And But a month's not a long time when you're, start, you're trying to build this massive temple and not a whole lot's happening. And he, so God comes along and he's, he, I love this about the Lord. The first thing he does is he identifies their feelings. He names for them what they're, what they're feeling. You know, who of you was here and saw the former temple in all of its glory? We know this second temple never gets close to that. But who saw that one? Is this one not a nothing? That's what they're feeling. This is nothing. How are we going to do it, you know? And then he comes. So he names their feelings. 
But he doesn't stop there. He goes to one leader and he says to that leader, be strong. And he turns to another leader and he says, be strong. And then he turns to the remnant and he says, be strong because I'm with you. And work. And work. And don't be afraid. And then he follows up this strengthening and encouragement with this incredible, almost unbelievable promise. He says to them, in a little while, I'll once more shake the heavens and the earth. The once more is looking back to the um, when he gave the law at Mount Sinai. And the heavens and the earth shook, okay? I'll shake, but this time I'll shake all nations. And the desired of all nations will come. I'll fill the temple with a glory far greater than that of Solomon's temple. And I'll grant peace in this place. Friends, they're 520-ish years away from Christ's incarnation. There is no way that these people could hear that word from the Lord and conceive of what God is actually saying to them. But you and I, we read this and we hear, well, the desired of all nations is coming. That's Jesus. And we think, oh, we, we can look at this and think, the Lord is telling them that they've got a hand in preparing for Jesus coming. Whoa. And we could conceive of how, even though the temple, the second temple is never going to look like that first temple did, that its glory would be far greater than the first temple because God's in it, because Jesus is present on earth and Jesus is granting peace. And we could muster up this like, whoa, that's amazing that God was speaking to them about Jesus' incarnation and they were having a role in it, except guess what? He's not talking about Jesus' incarnation. Hebrews chapter 12 Let me read to you some verses. The author says, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape, and he's talking about Israel at Mount Sinai, when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised... Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And in your Bible, there's a little footnote that references Haggai 2, verse 6. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Oh, all of a sudden we've got a New Testament author, after Jesus has ascended to heaven, saying, these Verse has not yet been fulfilled. This shaking that Haggai is prophesying is something that we're looking forward to at the return of Jesus. Who? Well, then we flip back to the Gospels and we say, let's see what Jesus has to say about it. And in Matthew 24, when Jesus is describing the end of the age, he says, immediate, and he's describing the duress that will come on the earth at that time. He says, immediately after the distress of those days, The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. 
Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In Luke 21, here again Jesus speaking of the end of the age, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing, or the shaking is another translation, of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the Son of Man, you will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. One more, Isaiah 24 is a prophecy about God's judgment in the end. The last three verses of the chapter are a direct parallel to Revelation 20, almost word for word at points, and immediately before those, again, is a description of the earth's shaking. Well, what do you do with this? What do you do when God speaks to you a word and he says in a little while and the word or the promise that he gives is so big that you can't conceive, you can't even begin to conceive of its fulfillment. It's not like he's giving them something that's off in the distance and it's like it's a mountain but it's far away and they can see the mountain. It's like it's not like there's a mountain range and it's the seventh one back and they can see it that it's the seventh one back with some kind of clarity. It's like there's a mountain range and it's like the 68th or 70th mountain back there. I mean, he's speaking so far out as he gives this promise. What do you do with a promise like that? Well, friends, I want to posit to you that we face the same question here at Gold Avenue Church. What do you do with promises God has given that are so big and conceivably far out that you you have a hard time even beginning to conceive of how they've been fulfilled or will be fulfilled? Many of you will will, um, be familiar with or will have heard Pastor Gina or I or Pastor Jalisa, at some point in time, referencing prophetic words that God has spoken about this church. And I want to remind us and extrapolate on those a little bit this morning, because we've never, as leaders, said anything about them in great detail. But I want to refresh all of us, because some of us are much newer and are just being called in to what God's doing right now. And so here's what happened. Six years ago, in early 2014, in a span of four months between January 24 and May 19, completely unsolicited, out of nowhere, four different people or groups contacted us and shared that God had given them visions, dreams, 
and had spoken in the context of group prayer about what he wanted to do in and through this church. And I want to share those with you briefly. So on the morning of January 24, 2014, Jeremy Simpson, who's a pastor in the RCA and is leading worship for us on Thursday nights at Empowered for Witness, woke up having a vision. Like woke up seeing a vision. And in his vision, he saw the river of God flowing from the two doors on California down the steps onto the road, gushing and flowing into the city. And then he saw a banner that read, Gold Avenue Church, releasing the flow of God's love into the city. On May the 15th, Lydia Lockhart, who is a pastor, a missional pastor in Colorado in the Presbyterian Church, was on a mentoring call with Pastor Gina and they were they entered a time of listening prayer near the end and as they were listening to the Lord Lydia began to experience a vision and um, she started to speak it forth saying I see a wave I see a wave that's coming in it's at a distance it's not too close but it's not too far either and as the wave goes up and she described it coming over the people of Gold Avenue Church onto the shore, and then it starts to come back down. She says, I can all of a sudden I can see there's a great amount of very diverse people, more and more, overflowing and diverse. And this she has this sense that as Jesus tells the disciples where to fish and they do so, then the nets are overflowing, that as we follow the Lord's guidance, there will come this overflow. And she says, A wave of revival is coming, and it's going to bring many people to salvation. Then on March 31st and May the 19th of 2014, a regional group of intercessors was meeting and praying together. And two times as they were meeting to pray for the region, God turned them and they spent significant time, again unsolicited, praying for Gold Avenue Church. These are some of the things that they prayed for. After a time of hearing and watching a video testimony about the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York, the group shifted and began praying for Gold Avenue Church, where many are also down and out, and asking it that the Lord would make many his trophies, that God would make Gold Avenue Church a gem and a trophy for his glory. They said that we were the smallest and we were thought of as a struggling mission, but the smallest was going to become the greatest. That revival and the Christian Reformed Church would come through Gold Avenue Church because God would use the least of these. They saw transformation in our community. They saw lives being changed. They saw the community being changed by the love of God. They said Gold Avenue Church would be a place like the Azusa Street Revival, that the fire just starts there and then spreads out. They prayed that the Lord would pour out an unquenchable thirst for righteousness on our church. That leadership and congregation would thirst for and be grounded in God's word. That any yoke of a religious spirit would be lifted. That the Lord would send solid workers and resources that the Lord would send people from all walks of life who need freedom. They prayed through every department of the church, praying for each and asking the Lord to give stability to get us ready, saying a big crashing wave of revival is coming. They prayed about repentance making the way for revival. They prayed about embers growing into flames. They prayed about worship with the doors open, 
windows open, like the movie Sister Act, where there's this worship sound going out that's compelling, that people would be drawn in and would feel welcome at Gold Avenue Church. They prayed for the worship team, asking that they'd be like Levites in praise, as in the story of Jehoshaphat, when the worshipers were sent ahead of the troops. They prayed for an increase in God's presence and in, in praise. They sensed that those who can't, for those who can't sing, the Lord was going to give worship with great abandon. They prayed that Gold Avenue Church would become a center for healing, that the Lord would set captives free. They felt like without a word, people would be healed and delivered due to the strong presence of the Lord, that addictions would fall off without expensive treatments as God breathes resurrection life, and they prayed that only God gets all the glory. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Azusa Street Revival, but the church historians tell us that this was a place where God, tiny little home in a poor neighborhood, where God poured out his spirit so abundantly that every division of the time was reconciled. That black and white and Latino that wouldn't come together anywhere else, had such fellowship and unity and love and power in the Lord that the whole world was attracted to it. And they also tell us that the churches and the streams of churches that have come from that place are now between 550 and 700 million worldwide. So what do we do? with a word like that, that says God's going to do something like that. We look back at our text for this morning and we look back at the way that these people, this little tiny remnant, can't conceive of the glory that they're participating in. You think about this. Their obedience is paving the way not only for the incarnation of Jesus, but for the return of Jesus. Their obedience has eternal significance. I imagine that this little remnant right now is around the throne or around a table in heaven and that they are, they are like, you know when you look back on one of those old days that were really hard, but you were all in it together, and you did what you knew you were supposed to do, even though it was really difficult, and came with a lot of trials, but you did it and you stuck through? And they're looking back and they're going, look what God's doing on the earth, and look how he did it through us. Little old us, we had no idea. We didn't know that God was going to come in the flesh. We didn't know what kind of a kingdom he's going to set up. We didn't understand at all. But look, and now they can see because they're around the throne in heaven and now they have a sense of what's coming. Just their sheer obedience gave them this place in history where they have got eternal significance. And so we look... We don't look at these prophecies and think we bring them about in any mighty or grand way. But we look at them and we say, yes, we will respond with faith to what you are saying, O Lord. But what if I don't feel strong? 
God says, be strong. What if I look at myself and I go, I'm not strong. I'm not. I'm not strong. We're not strong. What do you do when the Lord calls you to be something that you aren't? What do you do when the Lord tells you to be something that you aren't and you know you aren't? Two things. One, remember from a month or two ago, the definition of humility is agreeing with God in everything. I don't argue with him. If he says be strong, I'll be strong. Why? Second thing, every word that comes from God contains within it the power to bring it about. Every word that God speaks to you contains inside of it the ability to bring its fulfillment. All you need to do is receive it in faith and obey. And so the word that God's speaking to us this morning is not, you are mighty, the word is be strong and work. Work. Work to build my kingdom. Work to live into the vision that I've given you. Work all the more to make this a house of prayer and of worship. To make this a house of love, of healing, of a place where people come in and they are restored and they are renewed and they're built up together and they're equipped and they're sent out for the glory of God. And don't just work as a community. Do that. Work in unity. But know what your role is. Figure it out. Find it out. If you've been taken out, if you've been backed off the work, come back in. God has a place for everyone here. He's got a role for everyone. And he's saying, find out what your role is. Work. Because I'm with you. I'm with you. He's saying that to us right now, church. I'm with you. I'm with you. I am with you. I'm with you. I am doing this. I'm going to do something so much more glorious than you can imagine. Look, look, look around at us. Just look around. Everybody look around. Do we look glorious? I don't think we look glorious. We're a ragamuffin band. We are. But you've got to have faith. The Lord, we've been praying for years that the Lord would give us Lexington School as we become an equipping center, we're not there yet. We're not ready for it yet. We don't want it now. We want it in God's timing. But we're becoming an equipping center. On Thursday nights, there's over 100 to 150 people here that are getting equipped for work and ministry in the kingdom of God. God is doing it. God is turning us into a house of prayer as we labor in prayer on Wednesdays and on Sundays and in healing prayer appointments all through the week. God is making us a people of prayer. He's increased His presence since the time they gave that word. What's happened to worship here? It's just filled. It's full. When we worship, you can sense it's full with the presence of God. When people come in, they say, I feel the love of God in this place. You are a loving people. I feel welcomed. I feel embraced. God's doing it. He's doing it. And He's saying to each of us now, keep on working he is not saying it will be easy. He called these people to sacrifice. He called them to trust Him. He called them to step out of things that didn't make sense. He called them to step away from things that they were doing that they wanted to keep doing. 
He's saying, trust me and step into the work. Step into your assignments. If you've been out, come back in and work together. And we say, yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Let's have a, let's have a, um, as Marissa and the team come up to lead us in a song of response, I want to just create a couple of minutes to position our hearts before the Lord and just individually say yes to the Lord. Yes, I will work. Yes, I will seek the role you've given me. Yes, I will not stand on the sideline. Yes, I will work with all my heart. Yes, I will trust you. Yes. Church family, I, I feel like that um, this is the word from the Lord that calls for a response. And if we're hearing this word, and there's no pressure, there's no um, emotionalism here, but if you're hearing God call you to recommit to the work here, to say yes, Lord, to this vision, to say yes to his kingdom coming and his love pouring out into this city, Um, I'm going to invite you to just stand up as an action of saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I recommit. I'll do what you're asking me to do. I'll serve in the way that you're calling me to serve. Lord, search our hearts. Lord, help us to hear and just be aware of the great cloud of witnesses that looks from the position where they are and cheers us on. Lord, I thank you that you don't call us to do this in our own strength and we just acknowledge and we turn away from our own efforts and striving now, Lord. And we say, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. 
And Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in our hearts through the ministry of Gold Avenue Church. Lord, that the gospel of Jesus Christ would transform our hearts, our neighborhood, and the world. And all God's people said amen. I invite everyone to stand as we turn and worship now.
church, as we go from this place, receive this blessing from the Lord. The Lord bless you to know your calling, your role, and your part to play in his kingdom. And the Lord bless you to know deep in your inner being that he is with you. To be strong and to work as he calls. And the Lord bless you to see his glorious kingdom come. Amen.